Localized.city, and this is my first apartment. As a native New Yorker, I'm fascinated by people's first experiences in this city and the story of finding their home. Today, we have Rachel Holiday Smith, who covers Manhattan for the city, an independent nonprofit newsroom. Thanks so much for joining us, Rachel. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So, um, among many articles that Rachel has written, the most recent one that I think has gotten a lot of play is the story of City Bakery and um, the debt that they accrued. Um, would yes. you have would you have paid a portion of their debt to keep them open? <laughs> Honestly, yes. If I could make a bulk buy of their pretzel croissants that would somehow bring them back, yeah, I would I would try to do that for sure. You did not grow up in New York City. When did you first move you first moved to New York for college? That's right. So I came here to go to NYU as so many people mm -hmm. do and that was 20 I'm sorry, that was 2007. Nice. So I've been here for 12 years. Very exciting. And um, I think I'm officially a New Yorker. They say 10 years is the cutoff. So I don't know. I still feel like a newbie, but. I think you're a New Yorker. Well, I think the real New Yorker experience where it's like my grand, my great grandmother who like got like took a two year old on a boat in, in yeah. 1928 to come right. to New York. That is how you become a real New Yorker. I'm like, I live here. <laughs> I like know my way Just around. Just by default, you're yeah. a New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. No, no I feel like, you know, the transplants are what actually make the city tick and what make it vibrant and. You know, the immigrant story, I'm not an immigrant, but people who move here from other countries, from other places, that's what a real New Yorker is if they stay here for a decade, according to people who have been here forever. I think I think it's you're, you're a real New Yorker when you have a very strong opinion about a pizza place and a bagel place. That's correct. Yes. And honestly, I feel like um, a real New Yorker is when you are mourning the loss of a place that made you feel like at home in New York. And for, actually, for me, City Bakery was that place, yeah. one of those places, so... When I wrote about it, it was, uh, it was personal. So you're telling me your first apartment was in Crown Heights. Correct. So Crown Heights, Brooklyn, Montgomery, and Nostrand. And uh, I lived there right as I was graduating from school. So you had stayed on campus um, the pre while you were a student. That's right. So I was in dorms in lower Manhattan mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, making that work. But I got an apartment in Brooklyn. That's what everyone was doing, just moving out to a random, we didn't know anything, but we just chose a place on a map and decided that's where we we're going to live. So yeah, that was my first adult apartment. How, how did you find the apartment? Craigslist, of course. Oh, that's amazing. Did yeah. you sublet or was it, did you sign the lease there? I signed the lease. So it actually, I did reporting for DNA Info, rest in peace DNA Info, um, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. That was like my neighborhood that I covered. And, um, Partly because I had lived there briefly. I actually moved to Fort Greene soon after. But um, So I learned a lot about the neighborhood. And in learning about sort of the, uh, the system of how things work and how real estate works in Crown Heights, I actually realized that I was sort of the number one example of what happens in Crown Heights, which is that a young person, a gentrifier, doesn't know anything about Brooklyn, you know, chooses a place off a of Craigslist, is like, hey, this is near Prospect Park, this is near trains, looks good to me, I'm going to split this place with two other people. And of course, that apartment was um, a newly renovated building. I have since, I mean, I would put money on the fact that I think that that place was rent stabilized before I got there. I don't know that for a fact, I never got my rent history, but yeah, uh, we signed a lease and we were the gentrifiers who moved in. I think a lot of people 
from New York have have this sense where it's oh, like yeah. this is I mean I think what is gentrification um there are a lot of definitions I don't think right now we can we'll save the gentrification <laughs> discussion for later yes. um so for now so you found it on Craigslist what was the Craigslist ad oh gosh I don't remember I think it was just you know near Prospect Park you know new building new renovated building um it didn't have very many details. I think it had like two photos because, well, I'll say this because when we got there and we saw it, it was actually quite nice. It was nicer than the pictures, which I feel like never happens. You always see these beautiful pictures that are like fisheye lens and make it look huge. And then you get there and it's, you know, a closet. Um, but mine was the opposite. So that was nice. So, um, was it in fact near the train and near the park? Yeah, pretty close. It was walking distance to the park and uh, maybe three or four blocks from the train. So, so not bad. So, so you walked out. So had you been reporting at DNA, DNA Info before you moved there? No. Or, okay, no, so. I was still in school when I moved. Um, so I hadn't even started working. Mm-hmm. That's actually not true. I was in school and working at the local TV station, New York One. But no, oh. not DNA Info. That came a couple of years later. Okay. Actually, like four years later. So yeah. so you moved there. Um, this was your first your first adult apartment. Um, what was that like? Like, did you have, did you, like, had you thought, like, your entire time in dorms, this is what I'm going to do when I finally, like, can, like, <laughs> own my own space, albeit rent my own space? Oh, my gosh. I didn't have very many ideas about what I wanted to put there. I just wanted a place where I could, you know, crash and not have to deal with roommates and not have to deal with, you know, people I barely knew from school. But I didn't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I'll say this. The only thing that I really didn't think about then, which I now know is incredibly important, is closet space. (laughs) I had no... We had two tiny closets in this apartment that had to fit all of our stuff. And we had none in the main room in the kitchen. And all of our stuff was just everywhere. All of our extra stuff was just out. And it was awful. Um, But no, I didn't really... I don't know. I didn't really have any good ideas about it. The thing that really impressed me was the parquet floors. It actually had these lovely old hardwood floors and... I grew up in old houses, so I was like, oh, this is cool. But I, I was so clueless. Well, that's like the, the nice thing about Crown Heights, where like Crown Heights has incredible building stock. Yes, where like it, yeah. this building, before you lived in it, might have been rent-stabilized, but 70 years ago when it was built, this was luxury housing. Totally, absolutely. Um, like my grandmother always tells me when she grew up in East New York, her like rich cousins were the ones who lived in Crown Heights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was like a treat to get to go visit them. Yeah, um, and a lot of the lobbies have that kind of ornate, you know, a lot of tile, a lot of marble. You can see sort of gold leaf um, decorations. It's actually pretty impressive. It's really cool, like turn of the century and 20th, you know, 1920s buildings. Was there a doorman? No, 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 no. We weren't that fancy. (laughs) Well, no, no, because some of these buildings, like, at least it looks like there ought to be a doorman or there once was a doorman. Absolutely. Um, So I guess when you, where did, what did you eat? What was what like your I go-to eat? food? Not like what did you eat every day, but like was there food? Was there a bodega? Was there oh, like Oh yeah. A- um there wasn't a lot of options around there. I know there was a pizza place. Um we would sometimes order Indian, but there was a supermarket right down the street that was um the Associated, which I think mm-hmm. is still there. Um and it introduced me to Caribbean food because I, they had a lot of interesting like root vegetables and spices, things that I'd never seen before and it's a Caribbean neighborhood. Um so that was kind of cool. I I enjoyed seeing these these sort of vegetables I had never seen in my life. Um, but honestly, that you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot by way of you know my favorite coffee shop or something. 
I'll say this. Oh, do you not want me to talk about gentrification? No, you can talk. No, no, no. We, we, I, <laughs> this I is think, where we're going to get into the yeah, food. Yeah, I feel like there's no way to have a discussion in 2019 about my first apartment and, disc- and talk to millennials and not talk about gentrification. Uh, yes. At least when we have like the people who moved here in the 80s, they're talking about gentrifying Manhattan. And then yeah. it's like, oh, that's ancient history, the Lower East Side, like the Tompkins <laughs> Square riots. Okay. But um, yes. Okay. So, so this is the thing about the food. Um, there were a lot of restaurants there that were like family restaurants that cater to the folks who had lived there forever. Um, and but there were not much in the way of like a coffee shop or a bagel shop um, and I feel like we were right on the cusp of that all moving in so you know when I moved out and had been gone for a few years and then started reporting on the neighborhood I came back and I was like whoa Franklin Avenue is a place that has coffee shops and bagel shops I mean it had really changed in a few years so we were right in that area where um, the neighborhood felt like it had for many decades yeah, like I remember my brother moved in to Crown Heights maybe 2013, 2014. And like for me growing up, I had never, I didn't know many people from Crown Heights. Uh, my knowledge of Crown Heights was the Crown Heights riots in what, 93 yeah. or 92, 93. And like I found it. And then like I, I when he moved in, it was it was on the cusp. And then like by the time he moved out of his first apartment there, there was like a Connecticut muffin on his block. Yeah. And like that was like Connecticut muffin was, I guess <laughs> if you're not from New York, Connecticut muffins kind of this like bougie muffin brand place yeah. that's like in Park Slope, Windsor Terrace. I wish I knew the why it's named that because it's i don't think it's from connecticut at all i feel like this guy just came up with that name and just said okay that sounds like it feels genteel legit. it feels <laughs> like like i hear connecticut muffin and i assume like you're sitting on like the porch your, your porch but not like a stoop you're sitting on like your porch yeah. with a screen door and like yes. just and like a eating swing. a muffin <laughs> on a saturday morning on like a lazy saturday yeah. morning um as opposed to like Brooklyn muffin. Yes. And I know that that Connecticut muffin actually was definitely a harbinger of things to come for people who had lived there forever. And I think people saw it and thought, oh, oh no, our rent's about to go up. Yes. Yeah. Um, unless you owned or yeah. were rent controlled. Um, so I guess, yeah. So you, I assume you, you did a lot of cooking. What was like, what did that, so you moved in, it was brand new. Did it like smell like paint? Yeah. Yeah. It smelled like a fresh coat of paint when we first moved in, um, which we, we were like, oh, yes, renovations. Cool. Awesome. Um, but we quickly realized that a lot of the renovations were done sort of shoddily. We, you know, the, oh. the cabinets, the, the doors kind of, a couple of them lost their hinges. We had a leak in the ceiling. Um, wasn't, wasn't the best renovation job, I have to say. I've had, I mean, like, when, I, when I've, like, looked at apartments, it's like, I, you knock on the walls to see just how fake this wall is. <laughs> um, you open up all the cabinets. Yeah. Um, and I've had one where it's like, oh, my God, if, like, before I move in, the cabinets don't close, <laughs> nothing else they did look like. Yeah, yeah I know. And we didn't know what we were doing. We no. didn't know to look for that stuff at all. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Or I closet mean, space. How, how would you know? How like, would I know? I know. Yeah. Um, so I know. Then the, yeah. the le- and like yeah. you can't predict leaks unless you yeah. go on localized.city and then you plug in <laughs> localized.city. Um, localized localized.city. My first apartment hosted by localized.city. Um, <laughs> and then you go on localized.city and you can plug in and you can like see this. But even even if you if you like if three people complained, like you'll find that in localized.city. But um, no, <laughs> actually, I have been looking. I looked at your site, and uh, you know, it shows you when if construction is happening nearby, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool because there was a big. A new building that was going up on the end of the block that wasn't really affecting us but you know it was it shut down the sidewalk and it was kind of noisy and dusty and it would have been great to know about that beforehand you know um but again it was right on the cusp of gentrifying so the neighborhood there was a lot of construction that happened like right before and right as we were there 
Also, yeah. like, as a journalist, are you, like, I feel like you're at home different. Like, if you're working at New York One, you're either waking up very early or going into work late. So, yeah. like, you're at home during construction hours. That's actually true. Yeah, no, I had to work crazy shifts. I had sometimes had to be in at, you know, 4.30 a.m., sometimes working till midnight. Actually, that was the year, I don't know if you were here then, but there was the year that there was a crazy blizzard in December right after Christmas. Um it shut down the city ambulance because it couldn't get through different streets. And I actually had to make my way to New York one to cover the blizzard by public transit at 2 a.m. 2010. Yeah. Okay. That was, no, that was, wait, hold on. Pause. Yes. That was December of 2010. And that, and that was the one where Bloomberg was in like Barbados yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was in Baham- or the Bahamas, the Bahamas I, think. I think he was in the Bahamas. And that was, I think like, to me, that is that snowstorm was like the end of the Bloomberg. Like, man, where, like it was like, that was a classic moment with Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, and it was and like, cause like he doesn't like for him, like Michael Bloomberg is the guy who's like, I can manage this storm from my phone, whether I'm in New York or whether I'm here. Whereas like yeah. de Blasio, like say what about de Blasio. He, he gets, puts the part for yeah. snowstorms. He like puts the parka on. Yeah. He like goes to the control room. Like, and he will after that snowstorm, they shifted the entire um, algorithm for like um, plowing snow. Be- oh, okay. Yeah, so, that sounds familiar. Yeah, so my understanding was that the old one was directly correlated to garbage pickup, which is as somebody who grew up on like the northern end of the Bronx and Riverdale, uh-huh. we have standalone houses. We have very little garbage. We have a lot of streets, and the only way we can get anywhere is by driving. Um, uh-huh. So essentially what would happen is like 72nd and Broadway would get plowed 17 times <laughs> and then like eventually it would hit Broadway in the Bronx. Oh, um, okay. So then afterwards I think like they reshuffled it. I don't know if that was like de Blasio's first act. Ooh, I don't know. Um, don't like, know the, the history of plowing policy in New York. Well, cause, I mean, storms are, are what makes the mayor. Um, I t- totally. Like, absolutely. And that was one of his, well, de Blasio had a big blizzard right when he first began as mayor, and I remember that too. That was a big test for him. Um, but yeah, that Michael Bloomberg moment where he was like, I'm off to the Caribbean. Enjoy the snow, everybody. That was, um, yeah, that was sticks out. It was like peak. It was just this, <laughs> yeah, this like blindness to the way we all experienced it. Um, yeah. So I guess, who did you live with when you were living yeah. in? Um, I actually lived with um, my partner who's, ne- we just got married a few weeks ago, actually. Um, Congratulations. He, thank you. And he and his brother actually were my roommates. So um, I moved into this apartment si- with his brother without ever really having met his brother. He moved up from Florida. Big risk to take, but it actually worked out. He was a great roommate and uh, we lived together in our, we moved to a different apartment together, all three of us, um, and lived all together and uh, I have to say, compared to dorm living where you're with, you know, five other women and trying to make it work and everybody is struggling to keep up with the dishes, it was actually a nice sigh of relief. So that was that was our little unit. Did you have a dishwasher? Ooh, no, we did not. No, I actually haven't had a dishwasher in New York City, period. Oh. I still don't have one. I yeah. feel like I would be, I would never cook. Um, well, I guess because <laughs> when you cook, you still have to like wash things, but yeah. like... Okay, you can just throw, like, sometimes I'm just so fresher and like, okay, this is all going in the dishwasher. I know. I Sorry, wish I had one. roommate's cast iron. No. Though I will say, if I had, I always think about this, if I had to choose between a dishwasher and a laundry machine, I would definitely go with laundry. Is that? Uh, even though I cook a lot, I really want laundry. Do you have in-unit in laundry? I don't even okay. have, I don't even have laundry in my building. Um, can I say one more thing about laundry? Go. Let's keep, okay. talk all you want about laundry. If there's someone listening who is going for their first apartment, please, if you're, if you're broke, I know that things are tight, but just do wash and fold. Do not do the laundromat. I did the laundromat with quarters forever, and I actually think that doing wash and fold and just taking it and getting your laundry done is an um, 
is an expense that is absolutely worth the money. I regret not doing it earlier. So essentially what? Like right now, I'd say the going rate is about 90 cents a pound. Uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's 90 cents a pound. And I've done this math a lot. Yeah. So it's 90 cents a pound. It takes two to three hours Mm -hmm. to do laundry yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're still paying for it. So it comes out to about three hours. And it comes, I would say, three hours and $15. Yeah. Um, And then dropping it is, what, a 20, It's double. I would say, like, whatever, however you slice it, wash and fold is double whatever you're going to do in the laundromat. Which is a lot. I mean, by percentage, that's a lot. But I, it's the time. It just... and the yeah. stress of going to the laundromat and it's on a Saturday, it's so packed and it's sweaty and everyone's mad at each other and it's horrible. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, like the way I've, I thought about it too, beyond that is, so the governor decided that an hour of labor is $15 in the state uh, of New York. Yeah, that's true. So if you spend two hours doing it, it costs you 30 man yeah. hours and $15, $30 yeah. a man hours or yeah, two man hours, $30 in labor and $15 where it's dropping it off. And like they do it and like the good places. Yeah. Uh, one place I stopped doing wash and fold because they center folded shirts. Oh, or like a center oh folded that's team. odd. And it's, I can poorly yeah. fold my own <laughs> shirts. Um, no, I like my wash and fold place. They do a really good job. Everything's really neatly stacked. And uh, I, listen, I have been, in the situation where I have to count every dollar, but mm-hmm. I would have done it sooner if I could have budgeted for that yeah. earlier, I, for well, sure. My, uh, yeah, my first year at a previous job, I was at a nonprofit, I was making no money, and I also owed the IRS money from like yes. things, because when mm-hmm. you're a contractor, like, and your yeah. company's based in Tennessee, they don't withhold. <laughs> Shout so, out freelancing. <laughs> exactly. So I, I owed, I, I know, my, it was like rice and beans um, five nights a week, and then like, luckily I grew up and I for people here I have friends who like would buy me drinks if we went out yeah so like I was very lucky but like that was the year I did my laundry every time and yep. it was and it was it was awful it's <laughs> um, so stressful it's really yeah if it's I tough. had but like and this is where the fantasy where it's like oh you have it in unit will you you if I had laundry in my building I would absolutely use it in 100%. unit in oh my god yes unit? okay yeah I would I, no wash and fold would be down the toilet if I had it in my building or in unit absolutely I do my own laundry yeah I, I, am, s- I do it elsewhere because I have to I don't even have the option of doing my own laundry I, so do you live in so now you cover so now you cover Manhattan for the city do you live in Manhattan I don't okay. no journalism Does, doesn't pay that yeah, much I was say, <laughs> nobody I, I just want it because nobody no no well, it's so nobody. hard uh, I, I have mean, one like, friend who lives in Lower East Side way near the river and i feel like that's how she hacks it but yeah i don't know i don't know anyone personally who makes it work in manhattan is that terrible to say no 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 no. you can say that i (laughs) I cover manhattan but i i barely know anyone who lives in manhattan i have i think like i have some friends from college who live in manhattan no i I still live in brooklyn i live in fort green i have for many years now yeah we got again a craigslist apartment Mm -hmm. in fort green and thank goodness our landlord lives downstairs. He's a very nice man and hasn't raised the rent too much. So we're still there. That's Knock that's on the wood. Dream. That's the dream. Yeah. So I guess, so you mentioned Crown Heights. You mentioned it on, on the cusp of a, a gentrification transformation. Yeah. Um, did you feel, I guess, so you grew up in a, a small town upstate. Yeah, um, really small. So yeah. I assume when you dealt with like safety, did you ever feel like, what did it, did you ever feel unsafe in Crown Heights? Or? No, I really never did. I, ne- I, I really never did. And actually I got a lot of questions from my family about like, Ooh, is it safe? And I found that to be, troubling to me but no I never felt unsafe there um certainly it was um I did feel like an outsider because you know there would be block parties on my block and people said hi to each other and knew each other and we 
were the people who didn't know anyone. But no, I never felt unsafe. There was one stabbing near the subway station, but by the time I knew about it, the police had come and was it, it was a random stabbing or I have no idea. Oh, I don't know. So like for me, like I, I grew up here like in the I've lived in Bushwick two years. I was in Ridgewood for like two years before that. Like the only times I was mugged is like 20 years ago in the Upper West Side. Like <laughs> so it's like I don't and like I've said this and I'll say this again. I don't know. And like you can you can call me. You can email me if you if you disagree. I don't know anyone who's been mugged in the last decade in That's, New York. Yeah. I and actually the only time I've ever had anything stolen from me was um, in a Starbucks in Midtown. I had a bag stolen from me from under my chair because I was being an idiot and didn't, I couldn't, I wasn't watching it and it was just under my chair and got yanked. Um, But that's it. And I know this probably sounds crazy to longtime New Yorkers who actually did live in the era where people got mugged all the time, but I have never felt unsafe in New York and I've never worried about getting mugged or having, you know. Well, I think that's, that would be the opposite. I think the longtime New Yorkers are like, yeah, like this is the safest place in the world. Like I can't fathom a place. Yeah. Like when I, when I worked in upstate New York, I was like knocking on doors on a political campaign and like sometimes you knock on the door and they open or like you go through, they're like in the basement, come through and you walk in the basement there's like a shotgun on the wall or like a (laughs) rifle. I'm from New York. I don't know anything about guns. Oh my God. Um, Totally. And like there's like a certain thing where it's like if I say the wrong word, they might pull (laughs) that out and yeah and i'm um, from upstate adirondacks region i completely understand what you're saying the only time i've ever seen a gun was up there so uh although i will say this and i don't know why this didn't scare me more maybe it should have maybe i was just a naive young person still in college but there actually was a break-in in our building um that was a fire escape burglary and people should watch out for this in first apartments. Um, cause this is a thing apparently cause we talked to the precinct about it. And I actually know from doing blotter reports from that precinct when I was at DNA info that, um, folks who are going to burglarize a place will look for moving vans and they'll actually, um, see new people know that maybe, you know, things haven't been totally secured in the apartment after renovations or maybe like windows will be left unlocked and they'll go, um, on the backside of the building, a lot of Brooklyn buildings that have them on the backside and they'll go through the backyard up the fire escape and go through unlocked windows. So be careful about that. And yeah. that happened in our building, not to our unit, but the, the one on the ground floor. Yeah. I mean, I read recently like this report about like a lot of the burglarizations and theft in Bushwick um, come from people who just left their front door open. Um, oh my God. I know. The, I know. It's the, crazy how the, people open themselves up to that. Yeah, and the, the police report was like, uh, the, the police quote was like, yeah, these people move here and like they don't lock up. And it's like, totally. Yeah, oh I mean, my God. I blows cannot, my mind. I cannot tell you how many times I would see things in the blotter where the cops would call it sort of like a gentrifier, uh, you know, uh, the victim would be a gentrifier because people were very trusting. They would leave bags, you know, out on in coffee shops. They'd leave their laptop on the table when they went to the bathroom. They would. And, and all the time people would get their car stolen when they were parked in front of a place running in to grab something and they leave the keys in the ignition that happened way more than you'd think so be smart don't be scared but just like be smart oh no it's you know where it's like yeah like i actually once had a time where like i went to go to my car after like alternate side and like i didn't even i like opened the door i'm like oh i didn't lock this but like my car is like Uh, but my car i like crafted an aesthetic where it looks like a homeless person's living in it um where it's just and it's like one what would you do with this car i guess yeah. you could like sell it for parts but sure. like nobody's stealing this car yeah um and, and nobody's... A, a good point is to do that with your bicycle if you have one yes. is to just like put a bunch of duct tape on it oh my god yeah. don't have a nice seat just kind of leave it looking ragged well that's the story that i hear so much of is the bicycles getting stolen yeah where like or, or the tires get taken where it's like i would not i don't i actually don't know how to ride a bicycle but um i would not if wait, I did. Hold, wait, can we pause? Yes, we can discuss this. <laughs> uh, 
Why? How? Um, I didn't enter your motion thing as a child, so like I didn't like roller <laughs> oh, okay. coasters. I didn't like swings. Like my okay. brother learned to ride a bicycle. It's not like I like my parents weren't that negligent. Um, <laughs> but like he learned to ride. He rides it everywhere. He lives in Crown Heights still, or I think is in the process of moving to Windsor Terrace. Gotcha. Um, but he bikes everywhere. Um, I think as far as policy goes, like making it easier for bicyclists to me is a no brainer. Uh-huh. Um, but I never learned. I was in Amsterdam about a year ago, and like uh-huh. a friend, like we like rented bikes, and he like showed me, and I got the bike moving. But but like, I don't know. It's still like I wow. have no comfort on it. Um, okay. All right. One Fair day. enough. So, but <laughs> if I did have a bike, like my roommate um, bikes competitively. Like he, oh, wow. uh, he like does like long distance stuff. So like, I guess he has a very expensive lightweight bike that like we, we bring inside. Like, yeah. but I would not advise anybody to leave a bike on the side. Oh my like, goodness. No. And I, I f- yeah, I feel like the nicer the lock is, yeah. is like more of a, like, <laughs> see what you can do yeah. with this. Um, I have had two different bikes um, have parts stolen off of them in Brooklyn for sure. Um, And the last one I had got the bike uh, front tire stolen off of it. And then I just unlocked it and left it there so someone could steal the rest of it because I didn't Hmm. feel like doing anything with it. It's good. It's better than figuring out how to dispose of it. Yeah. Um, It was so old. It was just a clunker. Yeah. So growing up, did you always think you wanted to move to New York City? Um, Actually, no. I didn't have that thing that a lot of folks have, which is that they dream about it and they see it in movies and the big city is such a you know alluring thing. Um, my aunt lived and still lives north of the city, but she lived in Manhattan when I was growing up. So I did come visit a lot and I thought it was cool, certainly, but... Um, no, I didn't really have that dream. I moved here because I wanted to be a journalist. So I, I came to NYU because I wanted to study journalism and I it's a great place for it. And um, But I had the the opposite experience as most who are in love with the city before they come here, which is that I first at first was quite lonely and didn't like it and didn't feel like I fit in here. And it was a, a real difference from where I had grown up. So I had to get used to it. There, it took some adjusting. I feel like, yeah, I feel like New York is like, the most one of the most alienating place in the world. Oh my it's god! Like yeah, you're, you're physically interacting with people, but like, yeah, we're like if you're in Philly, everybody lives 15 minutes from each yeah. other. Like in New York, it's like your close friend is 20 yeah. minutes from you. And finding your niche and finding your community and finding your people is is quite difficult when you're just thrown into it and don't have a thing to go and do with people already. You know, it's 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 pretty hard. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I think one that goes back to the what makes you a real New Yorker and it's coming here and like dealing with that and then finding it. We're like, for me, it, like, yeah. I didn't have to do any. Like, my friends were all yeah, still yeah, here. Yeah. Like, and like, I've, I've made more friends. It's nice. Yeah. It's not like my friend group are the same people I hung out with when I was 16. I still yeah. like them, but like, I have more friends than just them. Um, but yeah, like, that is. But I think that's also like why we're seeing. So it's like, new, like, religion among millennials is like not mm. that big. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, well, I think we're seeing a lot of political activism filling that void is yeah. kind of what I'm seeing where like um, yeah, that's a, lot interesting. Of, a lot of that where it's like people want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And they want to find a community. Yeah. And like I think what, what I'm seeing in New York is like getting involved in political activism is that way to find other people. Yeah, that's really interesting. I actually would often hear from readers at DNA Info in Crown Heights who, you know, would email me and say, oh, thanks for letting me know about x y or z sort of public hearing on whatever was going on in the neighborhood because they would go and sort of find people who were like-minded with them and they'd find a community there um that's so interesting i never really thought about that before the sort of like activated political world in some of the outer boroughs or new communities yeah and that sort of being the social circle yeah whereas i, I feel like food isn't like every we all like food yeah but like you can't just go to a restaurant like no, i it's went hard. to um I think it was an Indonesian food festival in Ooh. Elmhurst that like I learned about Yum. through an AM New York, um, the old iteration of AM New York email yeah. blast. Um, and it was just like, 
um, Indonesian food. And I'm like, oh, this is great. It was in the basement of a church or in the mm-hmm. gym of a church. It was amazing. But like you go like you're not going to make friends there. No. Um, and, you know, I mean, this isn't the stereotype is that, you know, all New Yorkers are really cold and don't want to give you a chance. And um, that's not necessarily true, but it is true especially i would say no offense in manhattan you know if you're gonna move here it it's just not the thing in new york to just say hey what's up i'm the, i'm so and so you want to get coffee it's just not something if, that's done if, not really if i moved into a new like a new neighborhood or a new building and like a neighbor knocked on my door <laughs> and said like hey here's yeah i know a pie which is like what i assume <laughs> happens in the rest of the country yeah. i would never see that i would like avoid that person i know like, isn't it awful I, I, I think it's great it's like why does this person it's like what is because so it's like i think what's what to me what's great about new york at least in terms of finding your world is that so is that what like tens of thousands of people are moving here every month yeah. they're always new people like looking like looking for people to meet and like build their circle but like if somebody's already here and they're like actively like it's like why it's well I it's so interesting to me because I actually have heard from many longtime outer borough residents that I'll say this um, the neighborhoods in the outer boroughs I think function a lot more like small towns than you'd think they're actually really close-knit communities and folks are used to talking to their neighbors and they do know people on the street and they will say hello and they will bring over a pie maybe hypothetically if somebody moves in but people who are moving in from out of town or from Manhattan who are newer gentrifiers maybe or people who are just new in the community they think that's weird and they don't jive with it. And it's totally this cultural clash. And I've seen that over and over. I had that. When I first moved to Brooklyn, I didn't even think to introduce myself to neighbors. And that probably made me seem cold to the people who were already there. You know? It's it's interesting. Neighbors. And I'll say Crown Heights, very much like that. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. a lot of different communities there now. You've got the Caribbean population. You have um, African Americans you who are somewhat apart from the Caribbean mm-hmm. folks, obviously. And then it's the Hasidic Jewish population. And now you've got the gentrifiers coming in. So it's a real, so, you know, among those individual communities, I think people really know each other. um, And there is some mixing certainly, but it depends on what block you're on. I mean, it sounds like it's that way in Riverdale too. Yeah. You know, a lot of places in the city, you go a few avenues over and it feels like a completely different place. So I guess another question is if you were to graduate college tomorrow, be in the same shoes, where would you want to live? Oh my gosh. That's a really good question. I've thought about this a fair amount. Um, I actually, it's really close to where I used, where I did live, which is um, the neighborhood just south of Crown Heights, which people call Prospect Lefferts Gardens, Mm -hmm. um, which is an incredible neighborhood that is gentrifying a lot, but it's getting more expensive, but it's, it's even closer to the park. It's got lovely buildings. It's got great food, great Caribbean food. I mean, unbelievable restaurants down there. Um, And I, that community, I think part of the reason I would choose there is because um it actually does have a really close-knit community um and everybody does talk to each other and there are you know definitely you walk into um the local cafe and you will see people you know i mean it just feels like whenever i went down there to interview people the folks i was talking to they would always have to be interrupted by people coming by and saying hey oh i'm going to your art gallery gallery show later or like oh i'm going to go see that thing or do you want to take a walk in the park later it, it just felt like it actually had like a close knit community and i really liked that it did feel like a small town to me and i guess reminded me a little bit of where i grew up um but it's it's also the housing stock i mean it's a beautiful yeah like there's all old historic you know barrel fronted beautiful townhouses it's just really pretty 
Yeah, like I think it's yeah, it's really interesting like seeing kind of the like a lot of these old really nice houses be like refurbished and I know. be brought back where it's like you also see some of the most expensive neighborhoods um, like Williamsburg, which I'll, I th- I've probably talked about this on other podcasts where it's like Williamsburg, like a lot of Williamsburg was never good housing where it's like the, the new buildings, but like the old buildings, like I have friends who were paying like 1400 to like yeah. be in a three, like one room of a three bedroom and the stairs are slanted and slooped in the, like stooped in the building. And it's like, this is gross. Yeah. Um, no, I totally feel the same way. No offense to North, um, Brooklyn, but I, Williamsburg isn't my cup of tea. I just, I, I walk around in the the you know the aluminum sided townhouses just doesn't do it for me at all. Um, I, if, if anybody's listening um, and they do like the aluminum siding, if they might have grown no, up there's, in 1960, there's, sure. And there's also like newer glassy buildings. If you like that aesthetic or you like just yeah. the feel, I mean, it is a low neighborhood. If you kind of like the low height and you like the nightlife and the g- delicious restaurants and. Oh, yeah. It's a great neighborhood, a lot of reasons, but just the, the housing yeah. is. Well, it's, I, I, yeah, I'm, I totally know why somebody might live in Williamsburg. Totally. I'm not, I'm not fully trashing Williamsburg. If we, <laughs> I were, I would mention just how it feels like you're in like a European hostel. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other podcast. Like a really, ex, a really expensive hostel. Yes. Um, where it's like, oh, how does nobody work? Yeah. Um, where like it feels where like the Upper West Side used to have this vibe where it's like all these like adults wandering around in the middle of the day. Yeah. But, like at yeah. least like it didn't feel like they were wealthy. Yeah, it still is like a family-oriented mm-hmm. kind of middle-class type. I mean, there's really York, rich people. New York middle-class. Exactly. So but like, it does feel like yeah. there are like, quote-unquote, normal people there mm-hmm. still. But yeah, I guess um, I guess aesthetics and like housing stock really matter to me. Like, I love walking down the street with trees and, you know, a beautiful townhouse. And I, I do love that kind of thing. And I also say that Prospect Leverett's Gardens has a real mix of buildings. So it's like mm-hmm. the ends of the blocks. This is kind of classic in Brooklyn, which is big apartment buildings on the end of the blocks um and then the inner inner block is townhouses um so it makes a nice nice mix when you're walking around yeah, and it's and it's by the park um, yeah i know yeah. it really is so close to the park that's one of the things where like i've never lived close to i guess growing up i lived close to van Cortland, but like as an adult i've never lived close to a park oh, and yeah. it's like oh that's something where it's like that's something because like where i'm in in bushwick i'm near a cemetery yeah. um, wait have you gone to the cemetery to walk i have around? not i have not oh yet. you should do I know, that this is i i'm yeah. okay especially like we're taping this um right before halloween 2019 Ooh, yeah spooky scary um so yeah so like it would be nice to like pop over i forget absolutely i guess the evergreen is the cemetery i'm, I'm near yeah. um my understanding is um, Harry Houdini has a very interesting grave nearby. Go. Um, yes. Oh, no, no. This is like, this is <laughs> this one of the things where it's like, this weekend? I'll see. It's supposed to rain on Sunday. Okay, okay. Um, You've got softball. <laughs> I have softball. Well, if it, if it rains on Sunday, then I don't have softball, but we'll see. When the softball playoffs are over, I'll like make, well, there's this pizza place near me that has some funky Harry Houdini themed name. Really? I oh, I it's didn't Houdini's know this. It's Test Kitchen. It's like, well, so this is, this can be another podcast I have where there's another famous pizza place in Bushwick that I'm not going to name by name that is not New York style pizza. Okay. It opened in the late 2000s. Um, oftentimes if you go there, there's a long line. Oh, I know. Um, and okay. I have no clue why it became famous. I, uh, I just don't, where it's like, you can Controversial. Get, yeah. Do you, do you like that pizza nah, place? I don't have an opinion. Exactly. Where it's, okay, I don't like, really. I just, I, I don't think I've, I've had it, but not 
there. I've never been. Okay. So yeah. some people like love it. Um, yeah, and, like, no, I they, friends, yeah. and I'm just confused as to where it can't like where. So the Houdini one by me, I've seen described as the new XYZ pizza place that I don't like. Uh, um, and I've been there and it's better. Um, and okay. it's like, it's yeah. But um, now you're describing on the podcast going to be overrun by fans. Exactly. Hopefully, <laughs> Hopefully. Um, it's on, it's Get on Decatur business, right by, yeah. um, I guess right by Wyckoff. Okay. Um, so it'll right. be nice. Um, um, seriously though, going back to the cemeteries thing, I love cemeteries. I, Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn is one mm-hmm. of my favorite places in New York City. Um, if you find an apartment that's near a cemetery, absolutely get it because they're quiet. There's not yes. going to be development on them ever. There's not going to be construction. Um, and most cemeteries are open at least during the day and they're like incredibly beautiful parks. And you have to be respectful if someone's there, you know, doing their thing, visiting a family member. But some of the old historic ones are absolutely gorgeous. So hot tip, like, go to a cemetery. Do they have, um, um, I guess... Greenwood or Greenlawn? Which Greenwood. Is Greenwood. Do they yeah. have mausoleums there? Like, is yeah. it like, okay. No, they have a whole mix. There's tons of, it was the place in, I'm going to say the 19th century and even up, I think into the 20th century where the really rich families in New York city, like the old money families would uh, bury their family members. And um, there's some really famous people there, like very, very famous. Um, and actually more recently, uh, Basquiat is buried there. Oh, yeah. What's so even some more recent famous New Yorkers. How is that? What's Basquiat's grave like? I haven't seen it because it's on oh. the very far end of the, uh, it's the big main entrance is on one corner and Basquiat's grave is on the very end. And I don't know what it looks like. I'll have to go back and wander around the cemetery. It's, I guess it's, it's interesting where it's what, like um, Jim Morrison's grave in like Paris is like very like famous. Like uh-huh. that's where, so like, Basquiat's is not, is there like a it's, 24-7 vigil there? Or? I don't know. It's actually on the, on the list of famous people. It's sort of at the bottom because the more famous people are from the 18th century which is you know closer to the entrance like if you go they're like talking up like Samuel Morse the inventor of Morse code and it's like well actually Basquiat's like the one I want to see <laughs> yeah like I don't know what I guess I don't even know if like we use Morse code today I guess yeah, Morse also in the telegraph or yes Yes, I think. possibly. Oh, God, we don't can, quote me. No, we can edit this part out. Okay. Or we can leave it in if it's funny. I'll let the editor do But that. a very famous New Yorker. He actually um, was one of the uh, alums of the school within NYU when NYU was just, you know, very beginning that uh, helped found the individualized study program at NYU, which is where I graduated. So That's Samuel exciting. Morse, thank you so right. much. Yeah, so he's so... And, and what schools did Basquiat found? Oh. Um, no, I don't need to make this competition between of, Morse and Basquiat. I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's, they, they both have influenced a lot of New Yorkers. Yes. They both have influenced a lot of NYU students, I would say. I would, yeah, that's definitely true. The uh, downtown scene. Yes. So I think that kind of wraps this up. Um, thank you. Of that course. was delightful. Thank you all for listening to My First Apartment. If you have any suggestions of somebody you want to come on, if you have any great stories, hit us up. You can email me at aarong at localize.city. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at localizenyc. Thank you so much. Can I do a plug to for the city at the very end that you can splice in there? Go. Plug the city. And, okay. Um, and, and here's... Um, Yeah. Here's Rachel talking about the city, which is, by the way, a really... So I'll plug the city first, and then you can um, plug whatever I miss. So I'm a New Yorker. I love um, journalism. I I read as much as I can. Like, I have to alternate between, like, if it was up to me, I would never read any books. I would just be reading, like, news, um, (laughs) including long-form journalism. And there was kind of this gap. There have been gaps in New York when it comes to people doing real research, where, like, 
there are other newspapers that are very good, but um, their focus might be more on lifestyle or on what goes on in Washington, D.C. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that doesn't improve our day-to-day lives. Um, but we need people researching what's going on day-to-day. Yeah. And the city does that in an incredible way. They have yeah. this, they're also in our office building, and they have this great newsroom of people covering beats around New York City, which is all too infrequent. So yeah, what, no. what else do you have to add? I just, I just want to say if you're new to New York and you're trying to get a handle on how the city ticks and you want to know more about how, you know, lawmakers are doing things or what the big issues are in your neighborhood or elsewhere, visit the city.nyc. We are written for real New Yorkers who want to know more. So that's yes. my plug. All right. Thank you. Check it out. <laughs>